The message you're about to listen to is produced by CRIC Media. Praise God. It's something the Lord told me about our healing school and the need to take it very seriously. All right? It says, that's why healing school is important to me. Now, God is talking to me now. He says, and it was explaining something, but I want to start from there. He said, that's why healing school is important to me. Promote healing school. Advertise it on Facebook and Twitter. You are not celebrating your healing commission. Healing is big to me. Healing is important to me. I sacrifice myself to see my people healed. Don't hold back my healing power. I want to heal my people. I don't like to see my people suffer. I have suffered for them. They don't have to suffer. Don't let the enemy kill my people. Stand up for me. Organize healing meetings. Let me heal my people. Then I'll read you another one. Okay, he said, I want healing school. Make it big. Publicize it. Tell the world about it. Your healing school is part of my plan to heal many of their sicknesses and diseases. Create the opportunity for me to meet their need for healings and miracles. Amen. Celebrate Jesus, please. So there are other things he said, but they are for... 2021 and um, maybe around fragrance I would uh, share them with you. Amen? So I'm going to thank you. Alright. Are you ready for the word? Tell neighbor the word of God is working. Amen? So God does not want to see you suffer. He said, I have suffered for them. You know Christ suffered for us? All right, so he doesn't want you or me or anyone sick and suffering. We are going to continue what we started. Let's look at Matthew 17 from verse 14. Then we'll begin to look at why God heals. Matthew seventeen fourteen, And when he had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Next, Lord, have mercy on my son. Now, you need to understand that the God we serve is a merciful God. Say, God is a merciful God. Now, that means God will treat you in a way and manner far beyond what you deserve. Because mercy prevents me from getting the judgment I deserve. So it says, Lord, have mercy on my son. For he is an epileptic and suffers severely. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. Next. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. See, they made an effort. They could not cure him. Next. Next. 
Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and previous generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. See that? So how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? He's talking to his disciples. He called them a faithless and perverse generation. In other words, they were not functioning in faith and their hearts were perverse. Next. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the, and the child was cured from that very hour. Next. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said to him, why could not we cast it out? See? And he began to explain, and that's why we have school of healing. If you were here yesterday, there's uh, a lady that, um, see, lumps, they call it, and in her, in her breast, and she was healed. And the Lord showed us how to minister to them and guided us, and we explained it to you those of you who were here yesterday, so that when you want to minister healing to the sick, you know how to do it. All right. It says, why could not we cast it out? Next. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, notice why, there was power, but they could not cast him out. They had the power, the anointing, they had the authority, the right, but they could not cast out the devil. Because of their unbelief. In other words, the power of God will not work without faith. It is faith that gives action to the power of God. In other words, faith activates the power of God. Faith activates the power of God. For as sure I said to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain. In other words, one way we release our faith is by speaking. We release our faith by speaking. It says, it will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. In other words, God puts no limits on faith, and faith puts no limits on God. God puts no limits on faith, and faith puts no limits on God. In other words, if you are functioning by faith, you do not consider anything impossible. Verse 21. Jesus said, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. See, in other words, prayer and fasting with the weed you of unbelief. See, it will help you activate the power that you have inside of you. Amen? Praise God. All right. I want us to look at why God heals. All right? Now, every good message, especially a training message, remember what we learned on Monday and Tuesday? Uh, you are taught to know, you are trained to what? To do. All right? Every proper training message should have three parts to it. What, how, and why. You get that? What, how, and why. And it's a training message. So the first part we began to look at is why does God heal? And we said, number one, for his glory. See, God heals for his glory. Every time God heals, he gets the glory. For instance, if you look at John 14, 
And let's look at verse 13 to 14. It says, okay, let's read from 12 to 14 and take off from there. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Every believer in Christ has the capacity to do the works of Jesus. Every believer in Christ has the capacity to do the works of Jesus. Okay. Now, someone will say, why will you say I have the capacity? Number one, because the life in Christ is the same life you have. Number two, the Holy Spirit you have is the same Holy Spirit that Christ had. Number three, Christ himself is in you. You see that? So, whatever is in Christ is in you. And that's why the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. In other words, whatever is in him that makes him what he is, we have it. Are we together? All right, let's go back to John 14, verse 12. It says, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. That's the Holy Spirit will come. So Jesus is letting you and I know that the capacity we have is beyond our comprehension. See, the capacity of the believer is beyond his comprehension. In Ephesians 3 verse 20, for instance, the Bible says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power in heaven are according to what the power that works in us see there is a power at work in us it says it's able to do it according to the power that works in us in other words what we have capacity for is far greater than what we can pray for or think the power of God in you can do much more than what you think that God can do with you, in you, for you, and through you. You see that? It says now, to him who is able to do exceedingly. Now, I've taught you that the word exceeding means to go beyond the usual mark. All right? It also means to go beyond all presupposed limits. In other words, this, is, this point is too, uh, it says God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. In other words, the power that works in you can do far much more than you can pray for or comprehend. Look at verse 21. It says, To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. How many generations? To all generations forever and ever. Amen. In other words, in every generation, God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. In every generation. Say so this say, in the name of Jesus, I declare that God wants to do with me things that are exceedingly, abundantly, Above all that I can pray for, desire, imagine, or wish. According to the power that works in me. You see that? And Paul knew that. See, in Colossians 1.29, 
It says, to this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works me mightily. See, Paul recognized it. See, that the power to do mighty works is in him. Say, in the name of Jesus, I declare by faith that the power to do mighty works is in me. All right. Go back to John 14. Now look at verse 13. It says, and, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified, how? In the Son. When a miracle happens, the Father is glorified in the Son. Hallelujah. Number two, why does God heal? We said God heals and performs miracles to make himself famous. We have dealt with that. Number three, we said to demonstrate the supremacy of his power over the power of the enemy. Now, when you confront a sickness, it's a power-to-power confrontation. See, when the sick person is healed, God is saying, I am more powerful than the devil. That's the way we are going to see later. We'll look at kingdoms. All right? In Acts 10, verse 38, the Bible says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Okay? Dunamis. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Now the word oppressed there is katadunastio. It means to exercise power against. Alright? Now if you look at Matthew chapter 8 verse, I think it's verse 6. It says, Lord my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Notice he's lying at home. Now, in this case, Satan is excited as power over the person and uh, oppressed. It means to exercise power against. See, Satan is saying, hey, I'm powerful. When the sick is healed, God is saying, I am more powerful. In Psalm 66 verse 3, the Bible says, through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. Did you see that? Says, say to God, how awesome are your works through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. Think about that. So when you meet a sick person, Satan is talking that I'm powerful. I'm oppressing this person. I'm catatonastering this person. Then you say, in the name of Jesus, come out. And the person is healed. She just made a statement to the realm of the spirit. God is more powerful. You see that? So God anoints us for a purpose. In fact, let me define anointing the way the Spirit of God gave it to me some time ago. The anointing is a divine empowerment For a God-given assignment. The anointing. Is a divine empowerment. For a God-given assignment. 
Now that tells you the source of the anointing is God. Are we together? In 2 Corinthians 1 verse 21. It says, now he who establishes us with you and has anointed us is what? Is God. The source of the anointing is God. See? And we are anointed. You are called the body of Christ. The word Christ means anointed one. So we are the body of the anointed one. So the anointing on Jesus is on you and I. Till I get an amen. Alright. Now, let's go back to Psalm 66. It says, through the greatness of your power, your enemies, sickness is an enemy, so don't let my people suffer. Death is an enemy. Your enemies shall submit themselves to you. Number four, why does God heal? Because God takes pleasure in healing. We learned that yesterday. It's his pleasure to heal. Number five, because he loves us. God heals because he's loving and compassionate. Number six, God heals because there's forgiveness in Christ. See, every healing is an expression of God's Willingness to forgive. We learned that yesterday. Number seven, because of the atoning work of Christ. That's where we stopped yesterday. Can you remember? Okay, let's begin. Number eight, why does God heal? God heals in honor of the name of Jesus Christ. God heals in honor of the name of Jesus Christ. God magnifies the name of Jesus when people are healed in that name. Why? Because God has vested all his, author- all his power and his authority in that name. All the power that God has is in the name of Jesus. Now, let's examine that name first of all. Jesus. The word Jesus is Greek. Okay? We, the, the Hebrew is Yeshua. Alright? Yeshua. Now, let's look at the name Yeshua. All right? Does it remind you of a name? Ah? Joshua, right? Okay, Yeshua. Sometimes it's spelled Yehoshua. All right? Yeshua, all right, means Jehovah or Yahweh. Jehovah or Yahweh is the Savior. It also means Jehovah or Yahweh because there are some people who prefer to use Jehovah because God's name, Lord, when it's capitalized in your Bible, is yod Hey vav Hey or Y-H-W-H, right? So Jehovah or Yahweh, depending on which one you want to use, many prefer Yahweh, all right? Yahweh is salvation, All right? It also means 
Jehovah or Yahweh saves. Now you now know why the Bible says, Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're in a dream. And this evil force has cornered you. And shall Jesus. And suddenly it flees or you wake up. When he said Jesus, you are saying Jehovah or Yahweh saves. His salvation is the Savior. See, and God's name is a revelation of his character, his nature, and his attributes. God's name is a revelation of his character, his nature, and his attributes. For instance, when Gideon was afraid, God revealed himself as Jehovah Shalom. So when you are in trouble and you say, Jesus, any kind of trouble, that name will work. All right? Now, the name Jehovah or Yahweh, okay, means the self-existent. No, self-existent. The self-existent one. Oh, give me a moment. The self-existent one. It also refers to the one who causes to be. So you're looking at the self-existent one who causes to be. That's the creator. Are we together? And it causes to be how? By his word. All things he creates by his word. So we say, you are saying the creator or the covenant keeping God is the savior. Now you know why Jesus said, I came in my father's name. Jesus said, I came in my father's name. Let's look at it. John chapter 17. And I want to read you one of the things he said. Verse 6. It says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They are yours. You give them to me and they've kept your word. I have manifested, I have revealed your name. What is his name? Yahweh. See? Yahweh. Jehovah. I've manifested your name to the man. Now, if you look at when he was born, in Matthew chapter 1, reading from verse 21, it says, And she shall bring forth, she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from what? From their sins. He will call his name Yahweh is the Savior or Yahweh is salvation for he will save his people from their sins. 
in John 5 verse 43, Jesus said, I have come in my father's name. You see that? You know, a lot of us, when we think of the name of Jesus, we think of, oh, it's another name. Because we are talking about that name in, with a Greek uh, mindset. It says, I have come in my father's name. Remember I said, I manifested your name. I have come in my father's name and you don't receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. So Jesus didn't come in his own name. Are we together? All right, let me read you another one in John chapter 10, verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. It says, the works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. You see why we do the works in the name of Jesus? So when you, when you think of the name of Jesus, it's the name of God. And that's why it said, we are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and what? And of the Holy Spirit. It is in the names of the Father. It said, in the name of the Father, Yahweh, Son, is Yahweh, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Yahweh. Hallelujah. When Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit in John 15 verse 26. It says, when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, it will testify of me. The Spirit of God proceeds from the Father. Now, the Father is on the throne. Seated. When the Father moves in the earth and is active, that's the Holy Spirit. It's called the Spirit of the Father. You see that? Then God manifested in the flesh on the cross, touching people physically. That's the Son. Are you following me? You see, because if you understand these things, then... Your faith in the name of Jesus will soar because he came in his father's name. You see that? That's why if you worship and you keep on worshiping, before long the presence of God fills the place. So you say, oh, the Jesus, 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 and you're worshiping the bread. Why? Because that name is the name of the father. For instance, I am in the flesh, David Adewale Fesolaja. Now, if I was working a secular job, you would call me Mr. Fesso. Am I right? I have manifested my father's name to you. So you will say it like father, like son. Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. In Testimony 3 verse 16, the Bible says great is the mystery of godliness. It says God was manifested in the flesh. God was manifested in the flesh. 
So Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. God made visible. See, God made visible. All right. Having shared that with you, in the Old Testament, you see the word Lord capitalized in many in your King James Bible. The word Lord. And if you look at it, it's YH, Yod Hey, Vav Hey. Some put it a YH, WH, where we get Yahweh. Those who use Jehovah use this. Those who use Yahweh use this. All right? Now let's interpret this name. Y is Yod. Yod is the hand. Hey is grace. Vav is nail. Hey is grace. The hand of grace nailed in grace. On the cross, God manifested perfect grace to us. When he died for you and I. The Bible tells us in Titus 2 verse 11. That the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Jesus is the grace of God personified. In Titus 3 verse 4. The Bible tells us. But the kindness and love of God our savior toward man appeared. Notice the kindness of love of God our savior. Are you learning something today? So, when you use the name of Jesus, God wants you to know that it's more than uh, just what you use to pontuit your prayer. Let me read you something in Titus 2 and verse 13. It says, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. They called him our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're looking at why God heals. If we don't know who Jesus is, then when we use that name, we just feel just one of this stuff. In John 1 verse 14, the Bible tells us, and the word was made flesh. All right? And the word became flesh, or the King James says, and dwelt amongst us. Don't forget John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That word, logos, when Jesus came and manifested himself to John in Revelation 1, uh, I think, let's begin from verse, give me verse 8, let me see, I want to show you something here. Okay, exactly what I wanted. Now, notice when he came, Jesus appeared to John. All right? He said, I am Alpha and Omega. What are those? Ah, letters. He's saying, I am the Word. I am the Aleph, the first letter and the last letter. 
In other words, I am complete. There's nothing you need that cannot be found in me. The Bible says in him all things consist. Are we together? It says the begin, the alpha and the omega, the aleph and the tav. It says the beginning and the end, says the Lord. Watch this. Who is and who was and who is to come? What did he call himself? The Almighty. Jesus called himself the Almighty. Now, there's something the Lord showed me in the book of Revelation. And uh, I want to just read it to you. You know, the God that appeared to Abraham is the Almighty God. Am I right? Okay. Now, I want to show you something else here. When Jesus says he's the Almighty, all right? He says he's the one who is present, who was past, who is to come future. Now, look at the Father. When the Father manifests himself as the Almighty, when the angels in Revelation 4, verse 8. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and did not rest day or night, saying, Holy, Holy, Lord God Almighty. Now, they are praising the Father. All right? And what did they call him? Who was? Who is? Who is to come? Now, it's not a grammatical mistake. Jesus said, I'm the one who is, who was, who is to come. In other words, I, Jesus, am the one who is now, but I was your God and forever will be your God. In other words, I'm in the present, but I was the one in the eternity past and I'm also in the future. Are you following me? But when the father is manifested, he's the one who was. Who is? Who is to come? But Jesus, the one who is, who was, who is to come. Are you are you understanding this right now? All right, look at Revelation. I think it's eleven seventeen. If you're there, say Amen. It says, "We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, who is, and who was." And who is to come because you've taken your great power and what? And reigned. See, your revelation of who Jesus is will affect the quality of your Christianity. I want to show you something in Colossians 1.15. Now, he's speaking of Jesus. Alright? It says... Let's read from verse 14 to 15 so they know who he's talking about. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Next, it says, is the image of the invisible God. If you want to see God visible from Jesus. The firstborn over all creation. Next. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. That's by Jesus. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. He has everything. Next. It's before all things. Jesus. And in him, what did he say? All things consist. So, when you're dealing with Jesus, you're dealing with God. That's why Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, 
and unto us, son, unto us a son is given. And it says, the name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Listen to the next one. Mighty God. So somebody say, no, he's not almighty. See, and that's why when he revealed himself to me as the one who was from the beginning, in the year, I think it's 99, 2000, and the Lord was showing me, I want to review it to the Eastern Kraktos, Teranka, Adagistanga, Aginas. There's so much to know about me. If you will study my word and let my spirit teach you, I reveal myself to you and you'll behold my glory. I am calling you deeper into the deeper things of the spirit. I want you to walk with me and behold my glory, says the Spirit of Grace. Hallelujah. So he revealed himself to me as the one who, um, but he When I get there, there's a staring. So let me show you who I was before creation. Everlasting Father. Jesus is the everlasting father. So don't ever see Jesus as junior God. See that? So we're looking at why does God heal? We said in honor of the name of Jesus. All right? Okay, let's look at Philippians 2 verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Next. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Give it to me in the NLT, the GNT. Then we'll look at the, the, the Amplified. It says, you must have the same attitude that Jesus, Christ Jesus had. Next. It says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. So Jesus is co-equal with God. Now, did I say that to myself? Did you see it in your Bible? Now, give it to me in the message translation that he amplified. Okay, read the GNT. So think of yourselves the way Jesus Christ thought of himself. Next. It says he had equal status with God. But he didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. He, he became flesh. Do you know what it means to become flesh? God does not sleep nor slumber. Jesus had to sleep. It was a humbling experience. God became a baby. He trusted his life to humans. God had to use the bathroom. He had never had such an experience. God had to eat physical food. He had to be rebuked by human beings. Yeshua, yes, mommy, sit down here. God. And you, nobody can talk to you.
I just they vex my papa just tell me he just enter us off TV. Now God is not for God there, eh? are for positive. You are too proud. Anger and pride go together. 